0: hello everybody welcome back to the breaching extinction podcast we are here for our bi-weekly poor episodes um and i'm here with just shelby this week liam is busy working so her and i are here to update you on the latest southern resident news as well as continue with our book review of endangered orcas uh this week we're on chapters nine the three risk factors and chapter 10 filling in the data gaps. Um, but we're going to get started with the news, but how's, how's life Shelby? What's new?
1: It's busy. Uh, I started a new job and then just busy with school as well. So it's been a bit of a hectic two weeks and I'm moving this weekend, but it's good. Like I can't complain. I'm happy with everything that's going on. It's just been a bit of a whirlwind, but, um, yeah. How about you? You know, same old, same
0: old. I've been like Things with work have been slowing down a bit just because work is kind of seasonal, which like, I'm not really good at sitting still, but I'm, but COVID kind of taught me to learn to be good at sitting still, not my personal COVID, but the entire pandemic. So, um, I'm kind of like getting back into the, oh, we're just kind of chillaxing a bit. Um,
1: but you know, that's good. Yeah. You're a very busy person. So I'm sure your body appreciates a little bit of extra downtime.
0: I feel like I I can sleep like 10 hours a night now, like before I would sleep like six hours and now I'm like, oh, I could sleep for 10 hours. I'm like, this is crazy. And I wonder if it's partially from the real COVID that I have, but who knows? (laughs) Um, Yeah, but life is good. Peaches thriving. It's all good. We're all chilling here. But yeah, so we're going to get started with some Southern resident news um, so I guess we'll just go in order of things that have happened. So there was recently a study published um not too long ago about the southern residents and their food. I'm pulling up the exact article here because I wasn't prepared and didn't pull up ahead of time. Okay, so the article is titled Southern Resident Killer Whales Encounter Higher Prey Densities Than Northern Resident Killer Whales During the Summer. So basically, this study is kind of like the the title feels a little bit like misleading with some other data that we have. Um, And there's a lot of controversy around it because it's a, a weird method that they use to study the fish. And also, potentially, this sort of study can have really negative impacts on how we manage our fish um and you know our southern residents as well so it's interesting there's been like a lot of backlash i haven't fully read through the entire article yet and i'm hoping maybe we could have one of the scientists from uh, this paper on here and then maybe somebody else and have like a little chat about it's like I don't know, I feel like it's weird to see science where people are like no, this is not real. Like it kind of I don't know, it's weird. Like what, science is the thing that we should trust and this there's a lot of backlash to this paper. Um, yeah,
1: honestly like when I saw it and I was just so like mind blown that like the study like this was published by UBC which is like a pretty like um like pretty well known like education establishment and then also like they have a really large and um like they do a lot of research around the Salish Sea and marine mammals and things like that so like for them to publish this like for it for it to not only have surpassed like internal um standards but like external standards of being published as well like i was just like so surprised to see them put this out and like all of all of the comments that I've seen circulating around it. um, I agree with like just the fact that it's such a short snapshot of time and they're making such bold concrete statements from like the data that they claim to have um, retrieved. It's just like from from being like in an educational standpoint myself and someone who's gone through the publication process, like it doesn't make a lot of sense to me.
0: Yeah. I'm, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Like I've, like, I've read it over, but I'm not, I haven't done like a complete thorough, like read and mark it up sort of thing, but it just, yeah. I was kind of thinking the same thing. Like, it's like, it's not necessarily a standard sort of methodology. And also like yeah like I I kind of wonder what the motivation I like if there was a motivation for it because like like yeah it's really weird I feel like we're seeing a lot of broad sweeping comments about things that are just like not necessarily real in science like there was all of that drama with the um article that came out about the big killer whales and there was the headline that was like oh we discovered a new killer whale which was not the case and and then, like, the editor had to come back and be like, "Um, yeah, the, you know, the scientist who published this drastically, like, exaggerated his findings. And I'm like, okay, what are we doing,
1: guys? Yeah, like, even the title that they used for the publication, like, I'm all for, like, you know, making science exciting and, like, using an yeah. interesting title. But the their title, No Apparent Shortage of Prey for Southern Resident Killer Whales, like, it sounds like a lower class journal or like headline news statement. It doesn't sound like an academic journal publication title to me, no. at least. Yes. Like, it seems like they were just trying to get lots of, of press or lots of traffic.
0: Yeah. No, I would agree with you. It's oh, man. people, people, man. It's, it's, yeah, it's frustrating. Um, I don't know. It's so, Uh, Like I, I'm not like a fish person, so I'm I'm not gonna like pretend to be an expert in this situation. But it seems very suspicious. Yeah, Um, I'd be interested.
1: Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I'd be interested to see like their funding behind. I was their funding was behind this project because for them, like obviously the motivation here, I don't know, is not in support of endangered population efforts. I don't know, like. I would like to look into that as well yeah i think so um yeah which
0: i have some like more thoughts on that but we'll get into that when we discuss the book because it kind of is tied back to some of the things in the book um but also in other news governor inslee is going to be addressing issues with the dams um basically him and senator murray were like yeah we're gonna we're gonna address the issues." Um, I believe it's 60% of Washingtonians want the dams down. So that's awesome. Um, where they got that statistic, I'm not entirely sure. And I like wonder who they're surveying to get this number, but yeah, anyways, but that was, um, that is the most recent news on that. So hopefully like, I mean, I think that this is really big because before it was like, we have to do more studies and we have to look into more things. And that still kind of is, the approach that's being taken of like Inslee's like, oh, well, we got to like see what this is about, but I get, it it seems like it's through a different scope of like, how is this going to impact the different interest groups? So progress potentially fingers crossed.
1: Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it results in some action and it's not just kind of like a little bit of lip service, but um, yeah, like progress is progress. And all we can do is be hopeful for now and keep, keep like letting them know that we're interested in having the issue addressed so
0: 100 so right call email do what you need to do let insley know those has got to go down send him orchid demise write him your <laughs> it's, there's so many options here for how we can reach him um and then our last bit of news which is not great by any means is that there was a cargo ship so Late Saturday, a cargo ship off of Vancouver Island caught fire, um, and they spilled nearly one hundred fifteen thousand pounds of highly toxic chemicals into the sea. So, apparently, there were like twelve containers of potassium, um, and there was like ten of them that caught on fire. A few that fell overboard, and then apparently thirty-eight shipping containers were lost during an intense storm, or that was at least the most recent um, update from Coextinction when they posted about it.
1: Yeah. Uh, another Instagram account, surf rider VI, mm-hmm. um, updated today, I believe to say that like, it was actually 106 containers that were lost. And yeah, in addition to like the toxic chemicals that were spilled, there's also just containers that were filled with a lot of just general items, clothing, metal car parts, a bunch of random stuff that's just going to end up as, you know, ocean garbage floating around in there. So obviously the toxic waste is like the main concern, but also just a lot of pollution, which is really unfortunate. And, um, I also saw that I believe it was J pod Mm -hmm. was they claim. Um, apparently J pod was like not too far away when this all happened. So, fingers crossed that they weren't affected that much by it or were able yeah. to turn to the other way and
0: seriously um because there was that one pod that literally was wiped out like they were already endangered and then an oil spill happened and it killed them all
1: yeah that was the Alaskan group of transients right yeah. in the I read the book um integrate silence by uh Ava, I think her name is, but anyways, like it was all about that population and they haven't had a baby at all since, I don't know, it's been like a couple decades at least. So they're just, you know, dwindling off and it's really sad. So yeah, not we cool. do not see that happen again. Not cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So
0: I guess that's a really good segue into our book review with endangered orcas. So chapter 9 was about like the three main risk factors and like w- the the vessel issues were addressed and like even in the book she had talked about how like they basically had to try to put in like a plan in place in case of an oil spill i'm wondering how all of that is playing out right now considering that jpod was there um but like jesus um and i feel like yeah okay so we can just talk about We can do a little bit about the chapter, but she basically talked about the three main risks. And I feel like this is highlighting two of the three, which is the toxins and, um, vessel noise, but she addressed the three main risk factors, um, which are vessel effects, um, lack of food and then toxins. Um, yeah. So do you, do you want to start with your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think um, definitely like uh, even between the two chapters, I think that it was heavily pushed that, you know, there's these three risk factors, but really it's lack of prey as like being driven home as like the main factor. And so that's like, obviously there's like some controversy there. And I feel like that messaging was like really tried to be put forth in these chapters. And I think like it's maybe a bit of a biased Opinion here. Um, yep. So that was one thing that I noticed. Yes. Uh, yeah, even just like there was a statement, I think, about the vessel effects saying, Oh, well, like we've seen the whales dive like right under the big ship, so like they can't be too bothered by it. And I think that's like okay. Statement.
0: There's one, where is it? It was, um, something. Oh gosh. So it's funny because I actually like the ones that I feel like here it is i found it so i have you'll see my little sticky notes yeah and i have little red sticky notes for things that i'm like this is literally a red flag (laughs) um but there's a quote on page 248 that says for better or for worse these whales are adept to handling the presence of many boats no the fuck they're not i'm sorry and but also like two literally on the page before it um There's a quote that says, the topic has been researched over the past several decades, and some minor influences of whale watch boats on southern resident killer whales have been revealed, mostly in the form of masking effects of their vocalization, making it more difficult for them to communicate and eco-locate. That's not minimal, Okay. Um, these animals are more acoustically inclined. They rely primarily on their auditory senses. So, what do you what do you mean they're adapted for boats? No, they're not. Like also, they learn to adapt, but that's not no, what?
1: Also, like when you read that over, I just realized that like masking the effects. Okay, she said communicating and eco-locating that also relates to hunting, like majorly.
0: Dude, I this. Which she didn't
1: mention. I can't.
0: I know. I know. It's this is like this is where I get so frustrated with this because I'm like, what the hell? Like I try, which I'm sure that you knew that all of these comments were coming. Oh my god. (laughs) It like there's a quote too that says the energetic impacts of whale watching on whale watching are pretty small. As of yet, nothing links these vessel effects to population parameters such as survivability reproductive success or foraging success not true
1: yeah what? that study that we um reviewed earlier this year about the foraging effects on from vessel traffic and whale watching boats that was published after this it was out. so we're going
0: to give it the benefit of the doubt but yeah. also at the same time like so when the when the regulations first like were redone again in february and then that one study came out and people were like freaking out i went and found every single study that i could still have every single study in a box in my closet like this like several inches worth of of papers that i read through and there's like 30 years worth of data that says that we have an impact so i just like it's it's frustrating for sure. And I'm not saying that the whale watching boats are all of it, like not whale watching, but like, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying every fucking boat is in the Salish Sea. There's too many goddamn boats in the Salish Sea. And there is evidence that
1: it affects behavior.
0: 100%, like they stay down longer. The females aren't like as keen to feeding. There's zero scientific peer reviewed, like studies that say that like having boats around the whales is helpful ever. No, there's not people make those claims it's not there yeah I definitely like when I opened this up they were like they're like you know the the threats are not the same like you know the last quote of like the first section of this paragraph or this um chapter says none of these issues stand completely alone but that doesn't mean they are equal threats but then like in the next chapter we're going to talk about data gaps and I'm like the all of these issues interplay with each other so like what do you mean they're not all like like I feel like the fight over what's equal or not equal is a frustrating fight how about like fight to just get something done
1: exactly yeah prioritize all of them yeah pick one
0: that you like because I feel like it's overwhelming for any one person to try to like do everything so pick one to focus on and go for it but I feel like there's a lot of wasted energy on they're only starving because that's not true also as a person that people look up to for information as a like a person in the scientific community you know and like also this is the same that's true for like naturalists or any like whale person on the internet like even if you're just like a a whale enthusiast like your friends are going to listen to you about your whale information look at the facts even when it's hard
1: Mm. yeah I think until a long-term, like rep, like a long-term, well-done study is done showing, like analyzing all three factors together, this is all just personal statement of which factors are more important than the others. Like we don't have the scientific data, data to be able to like make those statements. I don't think, or I haven't seen a study that brings all three factors into consideration together.
0: I would. So, um, I know Marla Holt or at least I'm pretty sure she was working on one um, that will hopefully be published soon. But, you know, how publishing stuff goes, you never know when it's going to be done. But, um, yeah, it's like that's the thing is like all of these things interplay with it within each other and and that's the other thing that like it's like I feel like we would have learned already that like the amount of times that we were like like back in the day when we were like all right this is how we're going to effectively manage animals because and wildlife because this is how we perceive it based on anecdotally what we're seeing and how our personal lives are affected um like when they used to like shoot orcas because they were eating the salmon like come on like what so I just I find it frustrating that like and like I'm just like what is the motivation for this like and like I just don't understand like especially if you're somebody that listens to like acoustics all the time and like like it's undeniable it's it's so incredibly obvious like the few times that I've shared audio of like boats and killer whales it's always masked every time like and also the boats like as you can see play into them not being able to feed also play into the toxins mm-hmm. like what you're literally just seeing right now with the boat the
1: exactly cargo. i feel like she was trying to say that because food is so bad it affects the other two elements but instead of taking the approach that like the other two elements also make the fact that la- there's lack of prey worse i don't know does that does that make yeah. sense
0: No, I know what you're saying. Like also too, why wouldn't you want people to prioritize like getting cargo ships and stuff like that out and also getting toxins out of the water?
1: Yeah.
0: Why wouldn't you like, because also what we're looking into too, is like, I mean, you could even argue, I mean, depending on how you, you angle it, like you could even argue that maybe toxins are the worst of it because it's getting in, it's affecting their ability to reproduce. And if they can't reproduce, then like who cares how much they have to eat? you could argue yeah. that,
1: you know? Um, yeah. That's more of like a gradual effect on the entire population over time. That's like a, a, accumulating, yeah, getting worse and worse with each generation versus lack of prey being a more immediate effect. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's just like, I just, I, I really get frustrated with the narrative obviously. And I try not to be bitter and I try to lead with kindness, but like This is like the one thing in the world that just like, I'm not, I'm not a a person that's easy to anger or easy to frustrate. This shit pisses me off. Like, because it's like, you got like, just, just fight, like, stop fighting about what it is like about what's more important or where we need to do this or that. And just fucking get to work. We don't have time. Mm -hmm. We do not have time to sit around and like, wait, they're literally dying right now while we're talking, get to work stop trying to say what's more important or not important. Like I get it cuz like people are maybe trying to allocate resources but like just get to work because this is a waste of time. Yeah. Sorry. Just that yeah. that's
1: it. Yeah, no, it's um it's frustrating as well and I think like if you're reading it for the first time it might not be as obvious but once you get like more familiarized with the politics and you know efforts and everything going on it's really jumps out at you
0: (laughs) yeah and that's the thing is like this book was like one of my staple books in the beginning and I still think that there are parts of this that are like so far like it's it's really good for like somebody who's just trying to digest but then when you get to the three main risk factors I'm like and here we go we're going downhill um like I'm not saying that it's all bad or anything I just like wish that I don't know what it is about not being able to look at things from an objective perspective um, yeah. and like politics do play a role in it. And it's so frustrating. Cause it's like, just I, like, I, I just don't understand the motivation behind not doing it. Like I get that maybe like people want to be with the whales and like be on a whale watching boat with the whales or whatever, but like, I, I don't, I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what it is. Like we need to address the toxins. We need to address the vessel noise. We need to address the food. I personally, my issue that I focus on is the food, because for me, the way I see it is like, you you get to help two species at once. Obviously with the other ones, you're helping tons of species. But like, for me, I'm like, cool. Like this helps the salmon and it helps the orcas, you know? Yeah. So that's, I don't know, but it just, yeah. But the next chapter she talked about data gaps and basically how before we
1: move on to the next chapter just the one thing that makes me so sad i've like this is my second read through but the fact that pregnant moms offload 60 percent of their toxins to the babies like that makes me so sad every time like it literally breaks my heart and like it's so okay there's basically
0: so when she talked about the toxins there's like Three main types of toxins that we see in them, which are DDTs, which is like basically what they used in the 70s that would like run off from the rivers whenever they were like farming, and that would affect them. PCBs and PBDEs, which I'm not even gonna try to pronounce these words. I'll put them in the description bio. But basically, there's hella toxins in there. And we see that, like when they were studying the whales in the Pacific Northwest that the males in the salish sea were like heavily affected so the male transients had the most they had 250 parts per million of pcbs in them and then this male southern resident killer whales had a little less than 150 um and then the females basically as shelby was saying are able to offload their toxins like literally straight into their kids but there was one whale that had, like they found dead and they like didn't sperm count and it had like no sperm count and like super high levels yeah. of toxins in it
1: which is crazy and i can't remember do you remember what type of orca that what population that whale I was, it was it might i thought it was a southern resident but i could be wrong um yeah the fact that the sperm count was zero like it's like rip like whoa um it's just crazy like how complex like I don't know you yeah you get wrapped up in thinking oh they're not doing well reproductively because they're not eating enough but also considering the incredibly high toxin load onto a brand new baby when like nutrients are so critical to their initial development and then also considering that the males like don't like if they have like incredi- incredibly low sperm count and they're just not able to like be effective yeah. in production, like it's so complex.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing is like, we, we don't know what we don't know. Like, and you know, a lot of times when I have, like people ask me like different questions about whales, like especially like the they're like, how old do we think they get? And I'm like, well, based on the data that we currently have, this is what we think. But I bet you that's going to change with photo ID in the next like hundred years. I feel like we're going to have a different estimate on that because now we're like repeatedly seeing whales year after year. Um, So yeah, there's a lot that we don't know. And a lot of assumptions that we have based on not a lot of data. Like if you think about it, it's really hard to study the Southern residents and, and any cetacean population for that matter, because oftentimes you, you have to find them. You have to see them just when they're on the surface. So you're missing a lot of things that are happening underneath the surface, unless you're getting that acoustic data. So it's, it's complicated.
1: Yeah. Do you think that, um, there's enough data or do you think that they're going to like come to find that the lifespan's actually shrinking, like because of the toxin load and because of the hard,
0: I feel like that's hard to say just because that like I So the way that I see it personally is I feel like just based on how we've estimated age previously, I think that photo identification is going to give us the most accurate information over the next, like, 100 to 200 years. We could be totally off. Like, she was talking about, well, in the next chapter, she talks about, like... um i believe brad hansen who did a lot of the tagging and and basically he said that like almost always like he's like he used an example of like he thought that this blue whale was going to go to mexico but it actually went up to british columbia and he's like almost always wrong and i don't think that necessarily the same is true with age but i think that we're going to have much more concrete evidence to back age so i think it would be hard to say on if we think that it like changed um but I would guess so. And like, we could also just compare it to like other populations and be like, this is the longevity of this population versus that population. And they have this or that. So I think it definitely could decrease life expectancy. Who knows? Honestly, what do you think?
1: Yeah. Like I would be interested to, I don't know enough. I don't think about, um, about like previous generations but I just think and I and I think also like the capture era just like has warped like our view of like kind of this generation of whales as a whole anyways like the impact that that had but I don't know thinking back to like granny where they thought what they estimated her to be over 100 correct like 102 or something I don't know I just haven't heard of whales like being estimated like anywhere near to that age of, of the current population. Yeah. So again, I feel like it's partly because, you know, of the gap from the, yeah, I think
0: so. There's a whole lot that we don't know. And I think that's where we have to be careful is we have to focus on exploring more, understanding more, but also making decision, the best decisions that we can based on peer reviewed Mm -hmm. science that is like that other scientists can back that if you know which obviously it's hard to study marine mammals but especially if the data is replicated that's always promising like so i yeah i think we do need to like a lot of people are like there's enough knowing like start doing and i agree and disagree with that comment like like we know enough to make better changes right now but i still think we should always be on top of knowing things
1: Yeah, I agree. Like more, more information, the better, but at the same time, like we're on a race against the clock and you can't wait forever. Like you can't, you're, you're never going to have all the information.
0: Yeah. You're never going to have all the information. There was a podcast that I was, um, listening to, um, it's financial feminist. And what did she say? She said something about like, um, Oh, I feel like I quoted this last time too. Um, but basically like you delay things because it like, you don't have all the information. Like you don't, you, um, don't do like, you don't act right away because like, you're trying to get all the facts first and like, you're never gonna get all the facts. Um, yeah. So I guess is, did you have any other thoughts on the, on chapter nine? No, I think that's it for me. Do you? I don't think so. Yeah. So I guess that's a good transition into 10, which is filling the data gaps, which she talks about a lot of different, you know, um, data gaps that we have and how they've tried to fill them and like different issues that we've had with science. Um, and I think it's mindful to be aware of these data gaps. Um, and also I thought it was interesting that like when she brought up like how they were going to like tag Southern residents and like how they did tag some. And there were a couple of times that it went like successfully and other times like where it didn't. And some people were like against tagging and like, there was a quote in here that's something about like Brad Hansen needed like, in, like in order to make a Marine protected area, he needed logistics, like concrete evidence versus like emotion, mm-hmm. which is a constant battle in this. Um, area this issue um but yeah so they basically tagged southern residents to try to get a better idea of their core critical habitat which if you guys listen to the most recent episode we did just talk about and it, it was with the data that brad hansen found that we knew that they went down to point reyes which is a little bit south of big sur which is where their core critical habitat stems to so was important yes has the tagging gone poorly yes but also has it gone positively also yes look at that
1: do you know if there's been any tagging projects since
0: no yeah. um never not since the one since Nigel yeah. died um I think like I think they basically had to go back to the drawing board of like how do we handle this sort of thing um there definitely has been tagging of other animals but not southern residents yeah yeah know yeah i think it could be helpful but there's also a lot of like like when i asked giles what she thought about it she basically was like we know enough like it's fine and then in here like they talked about walk <laughs> not being super on board with tagging um from my perspective it seems like it would be helpful but also at the same time if like two of the biggest experts say that it's maybe not useful then maybe we don't need it i mean they would know better than anybody else
1: yeah exactly and if i don't know i could see like yeah like it to be helpful to have concrete data if you're working on things like critical habitats but i don't know if we don't if there's not like a specific need for it to move forward with a certain effort i guess that's like the hard thing as well of like with uh policies like that like you need to have the data to support putting the policy in place. And sometimes that comes at a cost of interfering with the population in order to get that data. And yeah, it's a tricky, tricky line to balance.
0: Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think that's the the one thing with scientists too, is like a lot of people expect them to like have all the answers and they don't. And like, even scientists make mistakes and like, yeah, like, you know, obviously Nigel was killed, but nobody, that was never the intention. Not that it like makes the situation any better, but like I like you know I I believe that everybody that like is involved. Well, not everybody, but most people that are involved in studying these animals are in it for the best
1: interest of the animals. Yeah, exactly. And it was I don't know. Obviously, we weren't there, and we didn't see how it was actually the carefulness that it was executed. But um, like they tagged like hundreds of animals and yeah. for this to be the one off and it just unfortunately happened to be a member of an endangered population and yeah we're not we're not perfect and sometimes not everything can play out as planned no matter like the precautions that you take and like he said he i think there was like a quote in there about him like knowing that he was going to live with that weight for the rest of his life of knowing that kind of he was responsible yeah it.
0: Yeah. Page 281. It says, we all knew there was a risk. We felt it was fairly small. Hanson said, it's not easy. It won't be. It's something I'll carry with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Which sucks. Cause like, I like genuinely believe that this person had, like that he had all the right intentions. He literally was doing this to try to help create a core critical habitat. And like, this is just an unfortunate circumstance you know, um, so yeah, it's tough, it's, but yeah, I mean, we got to continue to study the animals. It's hard to, cause I've definitely heard people make the arguments of like, well, why, why do the scientists get to get so close? And I'm like, well, it's like for the long-term benefit, first of all, um, but also like too, you know, it, at this point, there's so many things stressing them out. Like, are there, are there other ways that we could study them that aren't like, you know, mm-hmm boats on top of them I don't know but we I, I think we do need to continue to get data because also like I feel like this issue it changes all the time like it doesn't change like consistently they're starving consistently they're very toxic and vessels are an issue but like you know we'll find out that they're pregnant or one will have just died or there's a cargo ship and j-pods near you know so it's just like a ever-evolving issue so I think it's good to stay up to date on like what's going on
1: Yeah, exactly. With such a small population, like every factor has a bigger impact. Um, So, yeah, I agree. It's important to.
0: Yes. To keep assessing. Yeah, I think so. Um, Yeah, that was kind of those were pretty much all my thoughts on the on the last chapter. Did you have any other thoughts?
1: Yeah, I guess the other thought I had was just like when they were talking about um, using the drones to for overhead like body condition score assessment. I thought it was interesting um, about like emphasizing the importance on comparing an individual to an individual because like some I think it was maybe earlier in this book I can't or where I might have read it I can't quite remember but, read something recently about like certain individual whales having like a natural peanut head, even though they're actually in good condition. It's just like that individual kind of a little bit quirky characteristics. And so, but yeah, I guess it's the balance of like, oh, are we going to chase down every individual whale to take annual photos of them? Or are we going to let them be in a more undisturbed state and kind of, I don't know. Yeah. Again, like, pros and pros and cons and waiting benefit versus risk, I guess, more so.
0: Yeah. It's, I think it's a difficult one, but also too, like, it's definitely been harder for them to study them in the way that they have in the Salish sea, Um. just because they're not there. So that, yeah. I don't know. So I, I think these are important questions to ask. And I think it's like also important to like be patient with like, the process of things and, like, be patient with scientists, like, be skeptical, always be skeptical and always be, like, questioning information, and I think anybody who's, like, a truly a scientist would agree with that statement, you know, Um, but, like, I don't know, yeah, be patient with the people who are, like, trying to help, Um, but also, like, you know, there are people who are claiming to try to help but doing a lot of things that are destructive as well, so I think just, like, try to have tough conversations with grace as much as you can as that's so hypocritical because I literally was just like this shit pisses me off like two seconds ago but like you know it's do your best to like try to have those conversations like think critically and like obviously we don't all have the answers but like it's important to like speak up when you need to
1: yes and most importantly use the whales as your compass.
0: Yes, back to a Glow head every time. That's like all we got to circle back to every time. I think that's the most important thing. It's like ultimately is this in the best interest of the whales? With the information that we have right now, we're going to do the best that we can for the whales.
1: Exactly. So
0: those are those are our thoughts. But please write and call and make songs for governor Inslee, ask him to take those dams down. That's really important. Keep, uh, following along with the cargo ship situation. Hopefully JPOD is okay, but if they're not, if I swear to God, if like, if there's toxic toxins, like in JPOD more because of this and any, of, if like multiple of them died, I feel like I would just quit right now. Like, I just can't well, that's not gonna there.
1: Gonna go there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we not to go there. I won't actually quit. This is just me being dramatic, but I really hope that's not the case. Um, yes, but please, you know, go take action and do what you can do your best. And if you have questions, ask questions mm-hmm. and there it is. Do you yeah. have any other thoughts? No, any?
1: no, I guess. No, just echoing what you said of just Yeah, do do what you can and use and yeah, best interests of the whales always. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, thank you everybody for
0: joining us. Tune in um next week for our or two weeks from now for our actually our last review of this book because everyone thought that there were 10 chapters, but there are 12. So, we have two more chapters to go and then we're done and we're moving on to another book after that we did get a couple requests um if you guys have more requests just send them over instagram um yeah
1: we haven't officially decided yet right
0: we haven't officially decided but like listening to whales was an option um and i forget there was another one that somebody asked for um cool well tune in next week actually um next week's episode is going to be not southern resident related. Oh. Um, I will be chatting with um Tim Hansen, who is out of Columbus, or he or he's not out of Columbus, he's in work in Columbus, Ohio, but he basically there's a recent documentary that came out about um like how little tigers and other little animals that are like used in zoos um have actually been like put into like are are ending up at roadside zoos, animals that are supposed to be bred for, um, the purposes of repopulating a species are being given to these roadside zoos. And this guy's basically dedicated his life to, um, trying to help protect these exotic animals. And it's just a personal interest that I have. So we're going to discuss it on here because kind of relevant, kind of
1: not, but yeah, that's super interesting. Yes.
0: Cool. Well, join us next week and have a good week guys. Bye.